All right, welcome back to the Squid Talk podcast. Huge guest today, Rob Oliver. You go by Rob or Robert? Rob. Okay, cool. Yeah. My dad's name is Rob, by the way. Um, Sounds like a good guy. Yeah, he is a good guy. But yeah, I'm super excited for this podcast. Kind of came out of nowhere, but we got this awesome setup. We're in Rob's house here in Puerto Rico. Um, dude's a stud. You got the life that probably any guy my age or younger looks up to. Like, not only is it just like success in terms of money, but I've had a lot of opportunities to meet successful entrepreneurs and you know a lot of them are nerdy or really lack socially or uh you know just aren't very like balanced well-rounded yeah um and you seem like you have that so take us back to the beginning man like has it always been this way i, I know i saw pictures of you from day one you look like you look like kind of a boner honestly yeah it, no i mean so was i i, I wasn't always balanced obviously and uh, i was a late bloomer yeah. Super late bloomer. Like I didn't. I grew two inches after high school. So I played basketball growing up, and uh, really just got like fucked up in that world. Like it was super humbling. You know, I'm this five three little white kid who can't move his feet, and I'm wanting to play varsity basketball. And uh, you know, maybe I was the wrong color at the time. I don't know. Like that's just that's how it played out. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Just kind of stayed at it. And I don't. I don't. We shouldn't even get too into basketball. It was like a whole different chapter of my life. But. Anyways, had a growth spurt after high school, met my wife, and uh, fell into the business world. Where, where do you want me to start? Nice. Well, I think so. For a little background, we're you know enjoying a cigar right now, celebrating good times, looking forward to better ones. But you know, Rob's a very successful young entrepreneur. You sold the company for thirty million, am I right? Correct. The Genius Brand. That yeah. was my first first go. So that was your first big hit. Still going at it. I think um, what I'd like to know personally is where did the entrepreneurial drive start were you were you kid hustling or, or did this come way later after sports after college yeah I, I mean I always knew there was no chance I was ever gonna work for someone like period like I'd rather be that guy on the street homeless before I before I clock in like I always just felt that way and um like so I had that in me that didn't necessarily translate to success but as I'm moving through college I started looking at like different business opportunities like where where's the money being made I'm 31 now, right? So this is like early. I didn't fall into the whole, like Ty Lopez was just doing his here in my garage thing around then. And I kind of avoided that and then just fell into Amazon. And uh, I love supplements at the time. Like part of my whole life mission has been with this internet era and with all these tools at our fingertips, we should be able to live for a living. Like we should, like you get to do it. You know, you're, you're building your brand, you're traveling, you're meeting people you want to talk to. You are literally living for a living. Mm -hmm. And I think every young person, if they pursue entrepreneurship, should be able to do that in some capacity. And so for me, I really liked supplements. I loved working out. Like that was kind of my thing. That gave me advantage basketball wise. Like I was like, if I can outwork people, if I can outtrain them and give myself some form of advantage, it'll, it'll, you know, advance me. And so that led me to supplements. When I graduated college, I was looking for something to do, saw Amazon, and I was like, huh, I wonder if supplements can sell on here. And uh, like, long story short, I started shadowing my uncle who uh, was making like a shit ton of money, or what I thought was a shit ton, of shit ton of money at the time. And you know, I don't think my uncle's that bright. And this guy's like, you know, bought a new boat, all this stuff. So I'm like, whatever he's doing is something I should be looking at. Mm -hmm. And he was on Amazon. And so um, kind of hung around him for like a year and uh, ultimately, fell into that supplement world. Like I, I was like, huh, maybe, maybe I can help companies sell on here. So I guess I kind of became an agency. Like I would call up all the brands I like to take their stuff and I was like, are you selling on Amazon? They're like, no, we don't know what that is. I would get them listed, 
they thought I was this Amazon expert because they're doing you know a hundred grand, paying me my commission. Yeah. And but you so, didn't know what you were doing at first, right? Really, no fucking idea. Yeah. I'm this 22 year old kid who's like, this Amazon thing's interesting. They don't know Amazon. They're a big company. Let me see if I can get them on there. And I, I was getting them results. Like, and then my curiosity led to like, okay, how do we get reviews? How do we, you know, what does changing the title do for me? And I just slowly poured into that world and the, you know, the gratification was I was like becoming something in that industry. Eventually I'd start getting calls like, hey, we hear you're, you know, we're, you're making brand X, you know, this, this on Amazon, what, what's up? I was like, oh, I can help you. And uh, that's kind of how I got my start. Hmm. And then for your own business, actually, let me, let me ask a different question first. Was that intimidating to you? Like this was right after college, right? Or was this in college? No, it was right after college. I think a lot of a lot of people, mostly young kids, they look at someone who's successful, whether it's you know someone like yourself or someone much older, someone who runs a, a massive company, whatever, um, or even someone in any field, an athlete, an actor. And I think it's very easy to get into this mindset of like, oh, that person just always knew what they were doing. This person always knew the right path. Yeah, they had the no. answers. Uh, you kind of just jumped into it. I jumped in. I still remember like one of the biggest things was having the balls to pick up the phone and call these companies. Mm. So I would send out just mass emails. Like I would, you know, Google, I'd find their LinkedIn, I'd find their VP of sales and I'd craft these long emails. And for every 10 I'd send, maybe I'd get one response. And then getting them on the phone was like the next big thing, you know? So I'd, I remember I'd just pound a bunch of like pre-workout or whatever and get all fired up and get on there and do my best. Yeah. And eventually it led to success. Nice. I know that um, I kind of just mentioned this, but my uncle's an entrepreneur too. And he, he built this, but he worked for the same guy 20 years, left his company, started his own, and he sat in front of the phone for like three or four days. Just sat there. Three yeah. or four days. Yeah. Couldn't pick up the phone. Right. And he called me and he's like, bro, I don't know how to do this. Like, I, this is extremely intimidating. Um, it, it is right. Trying to sell yourself, trying to face rejection. How do you think you got over that? Or is it just like you have to do it? Stimulants. Yeah. Stimulants. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, you, you have to get in. I still remember the butterflies. And I remember all of that. But I think if you remind yourself, like the alternative is going and being someone's bitch or whatever, like, yeah. you know, and like those are your two options, like learn how to to be who you need to be and communicate and it gets easier when you are delivering value. You know, like, I mean, I could get brands listed on there and it was a good opportunity for them. And so there's a good value proposition, but it just comes with experience. It, it, it's, it's reps mm -hmm. content. It's reps, right? The more podcasts you do, the better you're going to get on a podcast, the more short form videos you do, the more you're going to get at it. And, and starting an entrepreneurship is the same thing. There's reps. Nice. And I think I like how you just said, right? Living for a living. But I think a lot of younger people, get in this kind of uh, dream world of like, yeah, I don't want to have to work passive income. I don't really believe in that. You do have to put in the work. I'm curious, what did you have to sacrifice? Because I know I saw some videos of yours. We kind of talked about this a little bit. Didn't you lock yourself in a room for like five years pretty much? Like, like so three. most people just, most people can't even wait till the weekend. You know what I mean? How do you, what did you have to sacrifice to, to, to build at the beginning? So two, two parts on that. I think once you find, once you're, aligned to be able to quote unquote live for a living. Like I, I locked myself in a room for three years building genius. Like, I mean, straight up in a computer, like me, a computer, you know, I never had an office. Like I had my team or whatever, but all remote, I'd wake up, I'd have my coffee, I'd go sit at the desk. I would hardly see the sunlight. And, um, you know, at the time it's still, it was very enjoyable because I was building something I liked. I liked supplements. I liked that whole world. Like I liked the biohacking thing. And so it was still, to me, it was still living for a living. 
But the average person looks at that and they go, you're fucking crazy, right? You're working 100 hours a week. You're tweaking. You haven't got a haircut. Like, what's going on, you know? And, um, and that, that really was what it took. And I, I don't have a lot of regrets with that. Like, uh, it, it allowed me to get the business to a place where I could, could step away and work on myself more. But at no time did I really feel like I was doing anything other than pursuing what I was supposed to be pursuing, my purpose, all that good stuff. Mm. Yeah, like that. I think a lot of people, I mean, the fact that you just said that you enjoyed putting in all those hours, you enjoyed, like what you were building was so much more enjoyable, so much more important than the distraction, like going out or hanging with your friends or drinking, whatever, traveling. I think the, the hard part is like the first six months Yeah. because everyone else, they fall off. Like first they judge you and then they kind of like, you know, you have friends that, okay, he's clearly not getting back to me. And, and like, there's that social pressure, but that goes away. Like if you're committed to it, people just stop reaching out, which is, it, it shouldn't make you, you know, it's like, okay, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Mm. But if you can get through those first couple months of like locking in and becoming what you're supposed to, it, it, the rest of it tends to work out how it's supposed to. Yeah. So you would say you're, you're obsessed. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Nice. Okay. Yeah. What Shout about out to my guy, Zach? Huh? Shout out to my guy, Zach. Who's Zach? He's the obsession guy. You see him on Twitter? No. Oh, he's so. made this whole personal brand obsession. I'll show you later. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, I think that's extremely important. And I think a lot of people, even myself, like when I started, I think every young kid wants to be an entrepreneur because they want to get rich. Yeah. Right? They're, like there is this, this dream of a, of a world where you can buy all the things you want to buy and do all the things you want to do. But you do have to actually enjoy the day-to-day work you're putting in. And, and there was actually this great uh, Jake Paul clip I just saw. You know, he's, he's talking about how all these people ask him, like, how do you build a life for yourself? And he said it was pretty simple. Just pick whatever you really enjoy. And you're not going to make a lot of money at it first. But then if you really do like it, you're going to become obsessed. You're going to try and figure out how can I do this one little bit better every single day. And then all of a sudden you are a CEO. You are building something. Mm-hmm. And it started with you for, right, like health optimization, right? Wanting, like genuinely caring about supplements. Because you can't really, like you can, you can make money off supplements if they're dog shit. But ultimately, like if you seriously want to have a big exit, you have to have a valuable, yeah, a brand. A valuable be, brand. Yeah. Can you take us a little bit into like a lot of people out there will DM me, how, how do you start a business? Right. And obviously there is no easy answer to that. It's so individual. It's so different, but like, could you take us through the process of what that was like? Right. Finding suppliers, all that. Yeah. My specific brand. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like how I did it. I re- Cause people ask me this a lot. How, you know, how do I start with like a lot of people don't have the resources to start a brand. So how do I start with very little money or how do I get going with very little money? And, you know, I started as kind of that agency. I was helping these brands sell on Amazon. Like that was my start. And so I'm getting close to the business. So if I, if I had to go back, like that, that's how I learned everything. That's how I learned these guys manufacturers. That's how I learned, you know, what the internal wor- workings of their companies look like. Like, do they have, you know, a graphic designer? Like how's the label made? How's the FDA stuff work? So I had close experience. So when I, you know, took my money, and said, okay, I'm going to go start my own thing. I had some money saved. I knew my skills, and I knew how the industry worked. I knew all three of those things, which reduced my chance of failure, like mm-hmm. dramatically, you know? Like, and so I think for young people, either go work under someone that you'd you know, want, to, want to build like one day, mm-hmm. or, or do what I did, develop those skills, and then sell them out to similar you know, companies. With, yeah. yeah. Also relationships too. I'm sure that was important. Like if you ever had questions, you, you knew exactly who to hit up for an answer, right? You start developing them. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that comes from the skills. I think, I think like one thing that I don't talk about enough is how much time I dedicated towards figuring out Amazon. Mm. Like just, I was the Amazon algorithm 
expert. Like if there was a, a video on YouTube, I'd seen it. If there was a way to get reviews, I'd seen it. I'd A-B tested. I had done all these things so that if, if someone had a question on Amazon, they would come to me regardless of how you know, successful they were. Like that was still the, that guy had the knowledge and you give that knowledge and therefore you develop a relationship with someone that you, know, you can build with. Hmm. And then after that, so you start the brand, you start obviously getting your samples, you start selling. How quickly did it start to take off? Oh, uh, we were, we did were, it, we were profitable struggle? like month one. Nice. Like literally, you know, I had the Amazon playbook. We launched up there. I knew what I was doing and it was off to the races. Did you ever have any period when things were going really well and then all of a sudden everything went to shit or was it pretty, you know, solid, a solid ride until the exit? No, bro, the craziest. So Amazon's a, Amazon's a bitch, like yeah. straight up. It's a black box and you're not dealing with people and it's algorithms. So in 20, uh, 2018, we had just crossed the 10 million mark and I hired my friends. And, and revenue? And revenue. And how long after uh, Inception was that? This was year three. Okay, nice. Year 10 three. million in three years. That's great. Yeah, awesome. and, and uh, but I wake up, one, I'm actually, I, I left the business for the first time to go get married. I'm in Ireland. Um, we, we had decided to elope internationally. This is literally my first time away from the business. This is after sitting at a computer for, uh, you know, like multiple years straight. In the middle of the night, Amazon starts deleting reviews off my best selling products. And for those of you that don't know Amazon, if you don't have reviews, you don't sell, period. Absolutely. And they took three products down all the way to zero reviews and locked it. You couldn't get any new reviews on three of my best sellers. And we're sitting there like, what the fuck? And, um, you know, I'm calling my team, which is just really my close friends. No one can figure out what's going on. And on the, the day after I got married, we lost 20% of our business. The next Tuesday, that'll, we lose, that'll mess up a honeymoon. That'll fuck up a honeymoon. And then the next, uh, well, Jeez. we weren't going to honeymoon because my wife knows like, She's about it. Like business, like we we're going to get married and straight back to the business anyway. Yeah. Then the next week, two more products. Fast forward a month. The same thing happens on a Tuesday for a month. I lose half of my business. It's not just me though. It's across Amazon. So several other big brands got fucked. Like people are just like, it, it was like this doomsday situation. And so we're sitting there. I remember there was like a million bucks in the bank. Um, I was like, man, I could like take my ball, go home, be a millionaire. Like life's good. Million isn't that much though. Obviously, it wasn't. Like, I mean, to but some people, again, but. to a kid without like a lot of money, it was like you know, it still was cool. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like back then, a million was. I'm getting older, man. <laughs> but yeah. uh, this is pre-COVID insane inflation. Mm -hmm. But anyways, I remember thinking that like, uh, or keep keep at it, whatever. And long story short, we decided a lot of brands folded. We decided to double down. So we looked at every category where the other leaders were fucked because they had lost their reviews, mm. and we launched new products in those categories during that time. And uh, that ended up being three of my best sellers. That was like Genius Mushrooms, which does 10 million a year, Genius Sleep Aid, uh, like a, bu a bunch of products during that time while everyone else was melting down, we doubled down. Fast forward eight months, we got all of those other products back. Amazon admitted it was a mistake. They gave us our reviews back. We're back at full strength there. And the business went from like 10, that 10 million run rate to I think the next year we did uh, over 25 million. Wow. And so that was like the, I went from like thinking life was over and like I was an embarrassment and this is melting down in front of me. I was riding high to like, okay, we're, we're back and that's entrepreneurship. And why, yeah, I think people like to look at life like a roller coaster that just keeps going up. But in reality, I, I love, I forget who told me this analogy, but they said life is like a mountain, right? And, and you will climb, 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 and then you'll get to a peak and the view will be the best you've ever seen because you're as high as you've ever gotten. But what happens when you hit a peak, it's just down, right? Yeah. And you go down and then all of a sudden you hit this ravine or whatever. 
and you think like the world is ending, why me, you know, what now, why is this happening? But that allows you the chance to reset and keep climbing. Yeah. Did, did you ever even figure out why Amazon fucked you guys? Well, what they did, they ran an algorithm. No one ever told us directly, but they just ran an algorithm that thought it was analyzing any products with uh, X amount of fake reviews. Yeah. And unfortunately, it was like a crazy bot. And it nailed some people that probably should have got nailed. That yeah. They never got their stuff back, but we got caught up in all of that. Hmm. And so you, you started it in what year, right? Uh, started 2015. 2015. What year did you exit? 2019. 2019. So four years, 30 million. I saw one video about it. Can you go through... What's that, what's that experience like, selling your business, right? I'm not, I'm not there yet. I don't even know if I would ever want to, right? How do you come to terms with the idea of like, you know, I'm giving up the thing I've worked on for so long, but I do, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a positive and a negative to it, I assume. Yeah, you know, in, in hindsight too, I'll say, I won't say it's a mistake, but if I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't have sold hmm. because building a, a business of that size and scale that keeps making, you know, five, six, seven, eight million dollars a year uh, is like one of the best assets I think you can you can have. Yeah. And so I, I did panic on that front. You know, we had a lot of internal stuff with the team. People were worried about their roles, wanting more. I just kind of got to a point where I was like done with it, mm. uh, which again was was just I just wasn't experienced enough. So to any of your like, younger audience, you know, if they build a business of that size, like take a second, appreciate what you have because I'm doing it again. Right. And I'm reminded how much work it is to get from zero to to that scale. It's the hardest part. It's, it's a very hard part. Yeah. And then once you're at that part, it's actually probably easier to take it to 100. Um, and so anyways, that whole process is selling a business in double-digit millions and then even you know triple-digit millions from what I've heard from friends and whatnot. It's, it's nasty. You're going through uh, an M&A process, mergers and acquisitions, which is just you're trying to run and grow your business with the understanding that every single thing you do is gonna get picked apart and put under a microscope and you're gonna to need to answer all these questions. And so you're essentially signing up for another job while simultaneously trying to build and, and scale in a way that doesn't offend the buyer, right? Like yeah. you need to keep growing, you need to keep the lights on and you need to do that for about six months. It's like a crazy that's the, test, the that's a crazy challenge. It, yeah, it is. It's not, and, and that's why there's a world for like investment bankers and, and all these highly paid people that come in and help with that process. We didn't do any of that. We did it all internally. So it's like me and my uh, COO who are just, you know, going back and forth with this private equity firm on the phone with attorneys, all while trying to run the business. And um, you couple that with what I just told you about waking up one day and half of my business being gone, it created a lot of anxiety. Like it's like, oh, this could, you know, what, hap what happens if the review wipes happen again in the middle of this? The deal's screwed, right? And, and so that created this really, that messed me up a little bit. I'm not going to lie. But I think it built character as a man. So Yeah, absolutely. You, you move forward and you... Uh you know, now if you do want to exit another business, you have a lot of experience. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think so many people look at like this idea of, of an exit in a, in a big payday is like this glorious, like, you know, finish line experience. I'm done. Right. Everyone's waiting, cheering for you, but it's nasty. It, it sounds a, nasty. You know, it's a brutal fucking process for sure. And then how did that, uh, how did that end? How much equity did you have in the business, by the way? I owned, I owned all of it. You got all of it, so you yeah. got that thirty million. I, I had I had two of my friends who I ended up giving a nice chunk to, and um, and then I took care of a couple other people. But I was uh, the sole owner. Yeah. How much was it taxed? Uh, I think I paid like six million dollars in tax. Wow, what's that like? Horrible. That's why I'm here in Puerto Rico. No, no, the, obviously the tax <laughs> too. But what's what's that like? Like finally, like how does that work? I've heard some founders get a check, some get a wire, some it takes a really long time. They have to slowly sell oh, up the stock. It's, like, it's a wire. His, uh, you just got a wire, right? Uh -huh. To your bank account. Uh -huh. 30. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't 30 on the, uh, so I sold, I sold 
I don't even know if I could like directly say the numbers. I sold majority. Yeah. Um, and then, and then two years later they bought out almost rest of it. And then a couple months ago I, I sold the very end of it. Wow. But what is that? What's that feeling like when you, uh, I mean, I, that's something that's so many, like it's, it's not even, it's not even imaginable you because look, so many people digit, could, millions yeah, million to just like find, like get the text or the notification, your yeah, chase yeah, yeah. app, whatever bank you are. Like, you just sit there refreshing it all day yeah. until it, until it shows up. But <laughs> no, it's awesome. It really is. It was a, it was a special, you know, on one hand, it, it's like really incredible, and then the next day, it's kind of like, like, that okay, way. yeah, life goes on. Wow. So, so I can say like both of those. I do remember like the thrill of like, wow, this is like insane, right? And then the next day, it's kind of like, okay, what am? It takes you years to figure out what to even do with it. That's what I was gonna ask. Is what was the first thing? By the way, did you have a kid yet at that point? Uh, yeah, my that was part of the reason I wanted to sell. My daughter was no, I didn't. My daughter was born three months after. Wow. So, but I, I'm sure that seeing that wire hit your account probably gave you yeah confidence i'm assuming like a confident like a feeling of like okay my my family's safe definitely at the end of like i you know everyone wants the watch or the car or whatever but at the end of the day like there is no better reward i can only assume right that's why i'm in this there is no better reward than like knowing wow like my last name is set right at least relatively 100%. right no, 100%. so yeah Where's your wife with you at the point at mm -hmm. that point and you're just like, okay, we, we did it. Like we can take a little bit off the gas now. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, definitely. It was exactly like that. It's nice. like, okay, let's recalibrate. Um, I took like a year off, bro, and like I still was employed by the company, mm -hmm. but I like went on a whole yoga thing and like Nice. Yeah. I think that's really necessary. Obviously I haven't done that yet, but uh who was it? I, I was listening to some it was either a book or a, or an audio book the other day, and some founder, it might have been Peter Thiel, he was saying how important it is to take uh, a decent amount of time off six months to 18 months after a big exit to like really Just recalibrate. Yeah. Recalibrate. Exactly. Recharge. Think about what's most important, what you're going to focus on next. But you know, you said your wife was with you this entire time. You met her when you were broke, right? Yeah. First building. Mm -hmm. I think about, I think about that a lot myself. We were just talking about this whole, you know, concept of, you know, finding the one early on, whatever. I think getting hot girls is cool. And, you know, more of that will definitely happen. The more famous you get, the more wealthy you get, the more powerful you get, the more established you become. But ultimately, I think that is like the dream scenario, right? Meeting some girl, she sees you while you're poor, you build this thing together, you build a life together. And even the dude I had on my podcast like a week ago, he was saying, if a girl loves you while you're poor, she's going to really love you when you're successful because she's seeing you build. Do you have any advice on, even for a guy like me or anyone watching, right? How do you, how do you go about finding that person to give them the, the power to destroy you, essentially? Because finding the wrong person can be absolutely detrimental. Often is for a lot of people. Yeah. Let, let me ask you something. Because I see your, like, you know, I see your life... You know, I, I, my business partner's young in Miami, making a ton of money. Like, yeah. I, I see a lot of younger friends who are at that phase where you guys, you know, the, the reality is there's not a lot of established guys. Like, mm -hmm. just the ratio of guys that are making X and in shape and all that is, like, very small compared to a lot of women, right? Mm -hmm. So you guys can get a lot of what you want. And so how much of that are you willing to sacrifice, you know? Because... I, I like you guys are living 
good, fun lives. Like, I didn't do that at your age. You know what I mean? And I mean, so, you'd, you'd probably be surprised by this, but I don't go, like, out and party or sleep around or anything. I definitely did that in college. Like, yeah, I, yeah. you know, I was talking to you about it. I was fraternity president. I definitely I, – I went into college. Literally, my main goal going into college, I had several family members that had uh, – they're, they're, they're studs. Um, you know, my, my dad, my uncle, my stepdad, like yeah. absolutely insane stories when it comes to girls. One of them has a treasure chest, um, at his house full of love letters. Okay. And nice. he, he opened it one time it overflowed and all of them were unopened and we just went through them and it was like, I don't want to say his name, but it's like, I haven't stopped thinking about you. Like since that one time we met right back then you had letters, not phone yeah, numbers, yeah, yeah. but so seeing this, um, you know, these really good looking, really cool, social, awesome guys. Um, I was going into college, U of A, big party school. Let's, let's rack it up. Like yeah, I, yeah, my, yeah. my priority going into college was body count numbers on the scoreboard. Yeah. That very quickly <laughs> went away. I very quickly realized like, this is so dumb. Um, but I did have a great time in college and I, you know, uh, to a lot of girls like that will, uh, piss them off. And you know, honestly, Rightfully so. Like, I wouldn't want a girl that was absolutely sleeping around um, either. And I, I learned that lesson very quickly. It, the, the, thrill went the thrill went away. Um, that was one of the reasons why I was pretty done with college at the end. But um, in my experience, like, a lot of girls don't even, um, they don't even, like, want that focused guy right now. I feel like that's intimidating to them. Or maybe they're wrong girls, I guess. No, they're the wrong girls. Yeah. yeah 100%. And, uh... Because I feel like my wife saw that in me super young. We got together when I was 19. Yeah, uh, where'd you meet her, by the way? At, in college. Oh, nice. In college. And so, you know, like, it just, we hadn't been alive that long, yeah. like, period. And so it worked out from that perspective. But I, I see, I don't know, I've just, over the last couple of years, I've gotten a lot more, like, familiar with the dating scene out there and, like, what goes on. And I hear all these stories. And, like, uh, I think most women, it, because this is, all right, this is one of the things. Most women aren't rational. And the biological wiring today doesn't want them to make a man great, like in, in today's world. If, they, if, if you get like the normal woman today, she's going to try to reduce your desirability to make her more yours. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the less desirable you are, the more she can... more power she has. The more power she has. And so I see that everywhere. And, and see, my wife's just not, not like that. Like she jumped in early before I even knew, but it was just like, how can we... How, how, I think women are best when they're making a man excellent. And that might sound misogynist or whatever, but like that, that's like that whole feminine masculine energy thing is, is real. And if you're looking for like that optimal flow, it's often there. Yeah. And so I don't think these, these wife types are going to be on social media. I don't think they're going to be in Miami. I don't think they're generally Western raised, so to speak, in today's world. And that makes it really tough. So I don't know where exactly you'll find them, but I know, I know where you won't. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Actually, I, I very much agree with you, um, and I think that's totally reasonable and fine. Everyone has their own. Um, what's the word? Everyone, everyone has what they're looking for in mind. And if you're uh, a girl and you want to be the breadwinner, you want to be the ambitious, successful one, and you want your husband to stay home and cook and clean, like that's totally fine too. I think a lot of people hear what you just said because I say similar stuff, right? Yeah. And um, and they get really offended. But everyone has similar interests, um, and I think you just need to be honest with that. And it's just like people have different preferences for, for looks. You have different preferences for, you know, the kind of relationship you want. Um, but, you know, I do meet a lot of guys my age, um, a lot of my friends who are, you know, young and ambitious and getting after it, and they're all putting dating aside 
because they're like, I don't, dude, I don't know. Like finding the wrong person once again can be detrimental. So I think that's, I think that's dope that you found that early on. And I think, um, I don't know, looking back on it, like, do you have any regrets at all? No, I really don't. Uh -uh. No. How important, how important is finding the right person to becoming the best version of yourself? I, I, I consider myself a pretty intelligent guy, like in yeah. general, like naturally or whatever, or I've grown into that. And again, that's not a thing to be arrogant, but I have another friend who's also like highly intelligent. And mm-hmm. I think we have a lot of similarities. Uh, he built and sold an Amazon business for a bunch of money and uh, he's in jail right now. And his whole thing is oh, like, really? he's never had a sound girl. And so his, his whole dopamine wiring is all fucked up and he's chasing the next short term thing. And it's just really created like, you know, I think with with successful people and intelligent people and, and driven people, there's a real balance between, like, you know, genius and psychotic. And I think a woman is often the tipping point, <laughs> you know? Like, like, how many great minds have gotten a fucked up relationship and it sent them over the, the edge, you know? And have, have you ever read The, the Art of Seduction? Uh, no, uh uh-uh. He talks all about that. He talks about the different types of um, he talks about the different type of men and the different type of women and how they mesh well together. You you ever seen like a beautiful girl, but it just didn't do it for you? And then your friends are all like, "Bro, she's so hot." Whatever. Everyone has different types, and it's it's because of personality types they mesh well together. Was this the Robert Green book? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Same. Forty Lost Power. Same author. But he pretty much said he talks about how some of the most powerful and dominant men in history, Napoleon, Julius Caesar, their downfall. They might have died. They might have been shot. They might have been killed or assassinated or, um, in Napoleon's case, you know, exiled. But a lot of people don't think of this. Their downfall started with their, their mate. Yeah. And it was because, um, you know, for whatever reason, these, these guys were, you know, ferociously, like, attached to this person. And, uh, and they were not what's best for them. Um, but it's really interesting. You should check it out. It's a very – obviously, Robert Greene is – Remarkable. I'll, I'll put a theory. I want to get your take on this theory because uh, I've been thinking about it a lot. I think most things, because biologically, our number one thing, our number one instinct is to reproduce, period. Like that—that yeah. that is – and so I think you can distill most motivations to man's desire to reproduce. It's the reason we dress the way we do, why we go to the gym, why we want power, money, success, all of those things. It's an inherent desire to reproduce. And like you look at like a – like a Bezos, you know, like I think it's like an ever, the, the conquering, the women, it's like an ever, and it, it, it never ends. Yeah. Right? Like he, he took a professional athlete's wife or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. I didn't, uh, wait, I didn't know that. I don't know the whole story. Like yeah. uh, Lauren Sanchez used to, she was married to Tony Gonzalez or whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know the whole whatever, but um, I, I think all things can literally be, be distilled to that. Like absolutely. You, you look at like a, are, are you a hip hop guy at all? Oh, really? I've always been house, but, um, you but, know, familiar. Like, you know Drake, right? Yeah. Like, like Drake's evolution, my, my theory is he's directly competing. Against, rappers are competing against NBA players for the same girls. Yeah. And, and NBA guys are dressing more like rappers, and rappers are trying to make more money. And you look at, like, you know, Drake's probably the top of that food chain. He's amassed hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and I, seriously, I think you can look through it with a biological lens and say, who is the most desirable male? And I think you can often, like, see what, like, that's what's driving people, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, I fully agree with you. And, and that's why, you know, I'm, I'm asking so many questions on, like, the relationship you have. Because I think 
why do guys want so much money, right? Like you're motivated by money at the beginning, but ultimately it is to have as many options as possible, right? I, I think that's, it is. I that's, think that's, that's, it reproduce. is the only thing that matters. Yeah. Um, but that's why I think if you can find that person early on, like that's so special because you don't have to, obviously it's still a fight every day to, to please them, to keep them around as it should be. You should always be fighting for each other, right? But there, I can only imagine like how great that must be to, to know that you know, your partner, the one you're supposed to end up with or whatever the one, if people want to call it, um, is with you already. And you can kind of like focus together on building as opposed to like, you know, issue around the corner. So, so what I have, yeah, issue around the corner. So what I have is unique is a, a very rational wife. Um, so I don't, I haven't like talked about this like super publicly, but it's kind of like, um, I, I, I can do whatever I want in our relationship. Mm, yeah. Like, like she doesn't, she doesn't, her, her theory is what I just said. Like men are supposed to be building and growing and conquering and if, if not, it, it ties back to what I said of they're getting worse. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how many guys do you see that end up in a relationship and then get soft and doughy and fucking trashed? Yeah. Most. Most. Like, that, that's what happens. And so in our house, like, she comes at it from a very, like, biological standpoint. Like, you're at your best business-wise if you're generally desirable to women. Yeah. So hit the gym, like, you know, what do they call it a hall pass or whatever? Like, she lets, she lets me... Like, do you guys have an open relationship? No, we're not an open relationship. Oh, okay. <laughs> she doesn't fuck anybody. Yeah. But I, like, I'm allowed yeah, to do what I want. Yeah. And, and, and she knows it's better that way. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, like, she knows it's better that way. Mm. Because you're, you're in the same thing for 10 years. You get sedentary and you, you get content or you keep pushing and you yeah. keep growing. And, like, again, from an evolutionary perspective, sex is the center of that. Yeah. So if, like, <laughs> and the funny part is, like, as that's kind of opened up in our world, I, I, she, I mean, she'll tell you, like, I've become more attractive to her hmm. because other, like, things want me. Yeah. You know, like, it's a, it's, a, it's, a funny, it's a funny setup. And again, it's not like a, like a big open public thing or whatever, but we're kind of going in that direction with this conversation. Hmm. It's like, again, like, I'm not, I'm not out there, you know? Like, yeah. I'm not, like, that's not what I do. Yeah. But that's like a, a known thing, like, in our, in our world. Hmm. She has everything she wants, you know? She's got comfort, stability, a great home, like I'm never, never leaving. And on the flip side of that, like she knows I'm a fucking guy, yeah. you know, and like, like it's just how it goes. Hmm. Well, I appreciate you being honest about that and saying that. I've, I've actually never, um, I've never had like that kind of conversation with another person before. It's, it's rare to find, obviously, or at least people that are open and honest about it. I just don't think it's talked about. I, yeah. Well, I think, I think, again, on the other side of that, most women lack rational thought. Like I had this little, like, I guess, She's like a girlfriend or something. I don't know. And uh, just retarded, bro. Just retarded. Like there was no, like, I, I can't even begin to like put it in. That's why I say I have a little more experience. Like I have different views of this whole thing. And uh, I just, I, I think nine out of 10 women would never rationally come to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. that well, most guys are, are, you know, like, what's the word? Um, I mean, I would say majority, majority of guys are not are not all there either, right? They're, they're delusional as well. They're, they, they think they deserve um, the perfect treatment or, you know, you talk to most guys these days and you ask them like, what's your plan? What do you want to do? And they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm yeah. going to be successful. I'm like, what are you doing? Nothing, right? Yeah. So I think per my personal opinion is there is an equal percentage of uh, women and men that are both like delusional in terms of like what is realistic in their life. Yeah, probably. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't fall too into the, like I said, at the end of the day, 
there's a very small percentage of guys that appeal to almost all of the women. Yeah. So yeah, I guess on that note, like most guys, I, I don't know if most fall into like the whole incel thing or whatever, mm-hmm. or some are like realistic, like I need to level up, but yeah. like the actual guys that have tens of millions of dollars and are in shape and like do all the, check all the boxes. Mm-hmm. There's just not a lot of them. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's an interesting point. Cause I fully agree. I think you're absolutely right. But I think a lot of guys like to look at girls for one thing and one thing only, and that's attractiveness. Yeah. You think of, oh, there's a lot of hot girls out there, right? Yeah, yeah. But how many hot girls are out there that are also ambitious, that are also driven, that are also, you know, hold high standards and values for themselves, right? I think, you know, I think actually girls are better to look at the whole picture. That's why you see a very attractive girl with a not so good looking guy because they're they're ranking them not just on a scale of attractiveness like guys do to girls, but the whole picture, right? How driven is he? Is he funny? Is he kind? Is he responsible? Is he going to protect me, right? Whereas a lot of guys, most guys, even ones that tend to be successful, they look at one thing and one thing only, looks. Yeah. And those are usually the women that end up being the downfall of those guys. And it's, it's kind of the guy's fault for picking them. 100%. Um, so I do, in, in general, I think, you know, you talk about the most desirable man who's not only successful but well-balanced and good-looking and takes care of himself like there is a a a small section of girls out there as well that are like that but there's a lot of hot girls that don't have those things and and so i think that's what a lot of young guys need to understand and it's something that fucked with me for a long time too like you do see the hot girl with the great body and you think like oh that's that's a dub like that's that's what i wanted right but in reality like you know if you were to rank everything else values kindness um responsibility drive like those are lacking they usually don't go together yeah it's i think so it's hard to find always around but let's pivot a little bit so you sell your company you know you've you've made it to a lot of people and i you kind of just touched on this um you know you are someone that that's not that's not enough right I, i i think it's very rare for someone to create a wildly successful company and not be the type of person that wants to keep going after that, right? Because the people that are okay with just one win and then they stop right there, they usually aren't that successful. Whereas the ones that create these big companies usually sell them, they have a little period of recharge, like you said, and then they get after it again. What was that experience like for you after those, what was it, six months, 12 months you spent? I mean, it ended up all in all being like close to 18 months between yoga and then that's when the pandemic hit, you know? So it was just kind of like a weird time period and I had to decide what I wanted to do. And I mean, at the end of the day, like the real question is like, like what the fuck are we doing here in general? Oh. Like on this earth. Glad you brought that up. Right. It's like, it's like, what, what are we doing here? And, and like my whole thing I'm screaming nowadays is just like, I love that idea of life maxing. Like that tends to kind of solve that. Like if we're not trying to max out our stats and experience everything we can experience and learn as much as we can and not be like, not numb ourselves, but like just be there for all of it and see what we can do then I don't think there's like a, a point of even attempting this game of life personally. I think, I think that's how you find the most fulfillment and happiness. Um, but what a lot of people might not understand is I don't think there is such thing. You talk about life maxing. I don't think there is such thing as a max stat. No, there's, there's not. The climb always continues, right? It always gets better. You might sell the current company you're working on for 200 million. Yeah, sure. You might enjoy yourself, right? Go on a five-year bender this time. Who knows? Maybe not but you're probably going to go at it again and start something else. Maybe it's not even 
uh, for the money this time. Maybe it's just like uh, some sort of charity or um, and, and frankly, I don't think it should program. ever be like even. And I don't ever want that to come off wrong. But like, you give me a billion dollars, even, and it's not, and it's not like it can't. None of this can be for the money because that that will all like. I mean, it'll really be gone. Yeah. Like it'll be awesome to to sell a company for a billion dollars or you know have that title. But for me, it's like you know, can you? Can you be on the fucking New Year's party in in St. Bart's? You know, can you see F one at Monaco? Like, like to me, that that is the reason for those numbers. Just to experience some of the, I want to experience the the greatest things that society has to offer. Yeah. And if I don't like them, then I'll pivot and go find something else. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, with that being said, you know, you're at this point now where you've gotten your first big win. Right. How do you? Was that hard to get back into it? Yeah. It's, it's like kind of like it's like kind of like, you know, getting really big in the gym, doing a bodybuilding competition. Let's say you win, and then you're like, all right, I'm gonna eat like shit and enjoy myself. Take you know, eight weeks off. It's hard to get yeah. back into it, right? What was that like? It is. I mean, you see guys all the time. Uh, McGregor is one of my. I'm yeah. a huge McGregor guy, and, and we know McGregor will never fight at the same level because the hunger's gone. I mean, he has a billion dollars and he's training on his yacht now. He's not in the, not in the confinements of that original little Ireland gym. Yeah. You know. But that being said. Uh, Let's pray he's all right and doesn't have like a real cocaine problem. But if not, he's got to, he's experiencing life, right? It looks like he's having a good time. Yeah. And, uh, and so for me, it, it was, there's just an adaption. And eventually I, I came to peace with that. Like I used to be the guy that, that, that Jimmy is now, right? My, my business partner on TikTok. He's phenomenal at that world. People go to him when they want to figure out TikTok. I was that with Amazon. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like moved into this, like, you know, I'm, I'm the older guy now, like straight up. And so how, what do I do with that? And it, it's, I've, found it to be a good place at first it was very frustrating it's like i can't be the one that's directly generating this insane alpha anymore like i used to put a dollar in amazon and make 10 yeah but now i'm the guy that has private equity experience now i'm the guy that knows how to organize a company now i'm the guy that has an appreciation for more of these timeless you know business principles that i can take to a guy like jimmy and say hey like you might have made a million dollars this year but this is how we're gonna make a hundred and to build those relationships and stay you know at the forefront of what's happening has been really enjoyable. It really has. Nice. That's awesome. And so is that the goal right now? Just, uh, are, are you guys planning on scaling and selling what you're currently working on? Or yeah, we're going to go fucking nuts this year. Huh? We're going to okay. go fucking nuts this year like, across the board. We got, you know, the top shelf, which I've talked about. We've got another brand that's literally three times the size of the top shelf that I, I can't talk about. Um, we've got a venture fund. Like we're, we're, we're doing some stuff. Awesome. Yeah. That must be exciting, huh? It's fun. It's stressful. It's fun, but yeah. it's like you know, it gets you out of bed in the morning. Sure. Okay. Well, can you talk a little bit about what it's like to uh, you know? So many people want to know. I think what it's like. Um, we we kind of skipped over it at the beginning, but like when you did have that exit, what was the first thing you bought? How do you knock it? How do you knock it distracted? Oh, bro, I didn't. I didn't have an appreciation for nice stuff like yeah. then. Like I lived in Seattle, so I had like a two million dollar house that was like mm-hmm. not. You're from Bay Area, like you know that doesn't get you a whole whole lot yeah like it's not much. little three bedroom yeah bedroom. like whatever and yeah. uh and then i bought it te- i actually bought a tesla a model x that was like one hundred ten thousand, and uh i financed it despite having all this cash in the bank because rates were like two percent call my financial guy and he's like are you gonna do anything else with that money i go no he goes pay off the fucking car so paid off the car and that was really my only big purchase for a year then i got into yeah. yoga like i didn't buy my first rolex until two years later hmm. i didn't buy like i, I had you kind of have to learn how to like it's new. It's new. Yeah, I'm even, you know, I'm I haven't had my big exit yet or whatever, but um, I've had 
money. She's making good money. Make good money for the first time in my life, and it was weird. Like I, I still don't really buy much of anything, to be honest. I'm putting it all back in, right? The, Stuff like those this, are fresh, traveling. Though. Those are fresh. the golden goose are the oh. one thing. <laughs> yeah, I have like a couple pairs of golden <laughs> goose. That's the one thing. But bro, I, I had the same pair of pants for like four years. Like I went to. Uh, Nordstrom's to buy a pair of pants the other day, and I forgot like if the waist size was the first number or the second number. I had to ask her because it had been so long. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I have a gym clothing brand, so I, all I wear is gym clothes. Um, Just means you're but, building. Like it's a good yeah, place to be. It's yeah, a good place to be. But then, how long after you sold did you decide to come down here to Puerto Rico? Uh, like mid mid COVID, so it was like two and a half years after. And what was the main reason for that? How important is it to I mean, switch environments? <laughs> Oh, it's fucking everything. Yeah. Well, it, actually, let me first ask you yeah. that. Yeah. Why'd you come down here? I came down here because Seattle was going to shit. I remember it was Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone where, like, the police just gave up and let fucking street people take over this area. And all the protests and all that shit. I'm paying, like, I'm, like, I'm paying way too much money to... Worry about my safety. Yeah. And so we started looking at, like, where we want to live. And, and eventually the Puerto Rico math penciled. Like, we, we flew out here to check it out. It was just starting to boom. The owner of this house had just bought a lot and like made the dude a kind of a you know cold offer and and we ju- we just went for it. It was the first I'd never left Seattle, so it was my first like you know I'd been there 29 years, 28 years, and so it was my first big big change. And so and then on that note, I know where you're going with it. It's like how much does environment change you? I think I'd be the same person, bro. Like I think I'd be the same. Ne- like my net worth has exponentially grown since I've been here. The doors that have opened, the way I push myself on social, the way I push myself martial arts personally, um, you know, like mixing it up, I think is everything because we get biologically like I use that word a lot, but we get ingrained in these same environments. Like we give ourselves all these credit, all this credit as thinkers, but once we develop these habits and routines, they tend to lock themselves in. And so when you're doing that and you're around the same people in Seattle and you're just going through the same routine, it's very hard to find meaningful growth. You might find like a little incremental thing, but if you break that shit and like shatter it to zero, like whole new beginning, I'll pull up here in Puerto Rico, like whole new beginning. I don't think I would have the confidence to do social media. I was too surrounded by people that made it like, you know, mentally helped me back. You're kind of reinventing yourself by stepping you're into a new, to. new pond. Yeah. You're forced to. There's a fight club quote I, f- I love and it's uh, self-improvement is masturbation. Self-destruction is the answer. And, and how I interpret that is the little, because I like self-improvement, so it's not, it's not that, but it's the little incremental like, okay, now you're making your bed and you're doing this and you're doing that. It's still not going to materially change you if you've been stuck in the same thing. What's going to change you is picking up one day and going to Austin and surrounding yourself by other killers. That's what's going to change you. Yeah. How much growth have you had since you moved there? So much. But I, I think the biggest thing, and I, we were just talking about Tyler, who you just met about this, is um, it gives you a fresh start with not only how other people look at you, but with how you look at yourself. Yeah. You know, back in my hometown, I was, uh, I was Lucas. That's what people knew me as, right? In college, I was Pactor. That's what everybody called. I'm just talking about the, the nicknames I had. Yeah. Um, because That's metaphorically it was more. Different like, version. It was a different version of myself. Yeah. In, in high school, I was Lucas. I was this little pussy. Uh, I had no respect for myself. I had no friends. No girls liked me. I had no self-confidence. I literally felt worthless. And I know you mentioned my tattoo right here. You know, I got that um, as well as this one right here because I was suicidal when I was a kid. Wanted to kill myself, almost did. And I talk about, I'm very open about this because I, I love my life now. I feel like the most blessed person ever. I, it says it is a privilege to be alive on my arm. I write what I'm grateful for every day. But uh, I was Lucas in my hometown and it was this kid that just was not like happy to be here. Thought the world, thought he would be doing the world a favor if he was no longer in it. Save that air for somebody else. Then I get to Pactor, that's in college, new person, 
obviously when you go to college, you get to reinvent yourself again. Um, but yeah, what really has been like the biggest change was going to Austin. Didn't know anybody there, but now I'm known as Squid, Squid Pactor in Austin. That's my social media name. My business is Squid Hoss, right? And I've been able to meet so many cool people. Um, and most of them are older than me too, which is really interesting. And I'm, I'm sure you have a similar experience out here. There's not that many, you know, young, successful guys out in Puerto Rico, right? Most of them are older, which allows you to have a different perspective, right? Yeah. yeah but yeah. yeah, for me going to Austin, like, you know, most of the guys I'm hanging out with are 25 to 35. They're adults. They have like families. Like it's, it's really cool. Right when I got there, I went to this uh, like little uh, entrepreneur dinner that I got connected with through a guy on social media and I pull up and it's just 12 manly ass dudes. All of them are like six foot and up, jacked, big ass beards, Texas as fuck. Yeah. And I was like, this is not what I was expecting to come into. I thought it was going to be like young e-com guys. Um, but it was so amazing because all of them like have kids and stuff. And it, they just like, they've been teaching me a lot of what it means to be a man and like, like a real man, not just like a, a guy with a big beard, but like a real balanced man, you know? So that's been really cool for me. I'm curious like how your perspective on life uh, whether it is in, in terms of like a relationship standpoint or a the gratitude standpoint, business standpoint, how has that changed putting yourself in this new environment out here in Puerto Rico? It's an interesting mix of there's billionaires, there's people worth like hundreds of millions, and there's people, like, there's all these different tiers. And what's been helpful for me is you get to start to see what you actually want. Like what, what is your definition of success? Because straight up, I meet billionaires that are miserable. Like, I mean, like literally miserable, like multiple billions, their own plane, all these houses and their life's a mess for some reason. Mm -hmm. And so you, that's a very like humbling perspective. And then you'll meet, you know, a guy who's worth a hundred million and somehow gets to train martial arts all day and has his family thing dialed and still has a little fun. Like, you know, this is like a real person I'm telling you about. And it's like, okay, like that's maybe a little bit more how I would want to align. So what are the things they're doing or what are the things they aren't doing? And I say it's less like hands-on, like you don't get a lot of like, oh, people teaching you this or that, but there's the opportunity to be really observant mm -hmm. and pull the pieces that you, that you want and start kind of defining your life that way. So you get to see a lot of different people and mm -hmm. what their life is like. And you can, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. You get to look at a lot of different people who um, to most average people look like they have the life and you get to, you get to see individual things like, you know, this guy has a great relationship, but... He, he seems like a drunk or this guy, um, this guy has a very balanced life in terms of athletics and also finance, whatever. So you get to like pick little pieces from all your neighbors, essentially. Yeah. Well, create your, your ultimate video game character. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, th so you think about it too. You think about how unique, like a hundred million net worth is like, I, I don't know the actual percentage, but it, it's not a lot of people. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's a handful of them, like in my immediate vicinity here. And with how unique that is, that, that net worth, like how rare that is, there's also, you're, you're also met with the reality that that person is very fucking different than the average person. And they might not come across it when you meet them, but the more you're, like, the more you're up close to this, you're like, oh, you know, they, oh, they have a drug problem or, oh, they're like, they just, you know, live to take hookers on their yacht or what, like, like that's like a real thing. Yeah. And so you're seeing that up close and you're kind of going, okay, well maybe that, that, maybe that's not for me or, okay, that's like that's worked out well for him or, or whatever, but it, there just becomes more uh, unique case studies. And, and yeah, you get to kind of pull from that. Do you feel like you're, I mean, I'm assuming the answer is like 100% yes, but how has your 
contentness? How has your happiness changed moving from Seattle to Puerto Rico? I assume even the environment itself, Seattle being a dark, cloudy, cold area to like, you know, parad- like fucking paradise out here on the beach. Nice I mean, house. honestly, at first it was phenomenal because you move here and it's like, it was weird. People didn't really think I like made it until they're like, oh shit, he bought like a, you know, multi, like a crazy beachfront mansion. And it's like, and I already had money for several years, but that's when I think the light bulb came on for a lot of people. But truthfully, like there was the initial spike of happiness, being here, sunshine, all of that. But then that was quickly met with like uh, sadness. I wasn't doing enough. I'm around all these people that are doing way better than me, and I haven't done shit with my life yet. And so that was like a real thing for like a year or two. And uh, kind of long story short, then I had like this little health thing, and it kind of made me recenter everything. And it's like, well, none of these numbers on the board actually matter, so go for the whole life maxing thing. Nice. And that's why you're doing martial arts, all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. What, what's a day-to-day look like for you right now? In Puerto Rico, I am locked in. So like I wake up, coffee, work. What I'm time a, do you wake up? Uh, usually like six, seven-ish, somewhere between there. Yeah. Uh, I've been trying to push it later. We're an hour ahead of the East Coast here. Mm. I'm naturally a, a guy that wakes up really early. But if I wake up at five here, that's four on the East Coast and 1 a.m. on the West yeah. Coast. And so it creates too much of a weird thing. So I try to wake up between six and seven. I'll have coffee. I'll work for like three hours. And then my MMA coach will come over, you know, we'll drill or whatever we got going on. I'll typically eat, go for a walk on the beach, kind of reset, work again. Sometimes I'll work out again in the afternoon, spend time with family, and then wind down, read, go to bed, and do it again. And that nice. is my, that is it here. And that seems like the life, honestly. That seems like exactly what, that's, that's exactly what I want, honestly. I do need a little more hustle because I'm, you know, younger. I still haven't had my big payday yet. That's why I'm in Austin. Um, but something I want to shift to is, you know, I started as an entrepreneur. That's what I've always wanted to do. But I can genuinely say hitting the record button has been the best thing I've ever done, right? Because it's opened up so many doors, right? Yeah. Meeting guys like you, Tyler, right? Just being able to travel, meet awesome people, having a funnel for my business. What, why did you start social media? Because you had success before. I'm in a little different boat. Why did you start social media? Um, and kind of, you know, even though it's, it opens up a lot of doors, creates a lot of opportunity. It also kind of opens up an opportunity to people who don't like you so much, who want to take you down. Right. Why did you make the decision to put your life? It's just, it's the world we moved into. Like, like the amplification of opportunity that comes with it and from doing it the right way. Like I remember, I don't know, like I've studied the different models, like Hormozy's thing, you know, it's like, how is he cranking out this content? it's like, Oh, because he's getting insane deals on the PE side Mm. and like, you know, limitless deal flow and all these things that come from just being able to to put yourself out there. Mm. And so I've never really had an issue doing it. And so the second it made sense from like a because that's where the world's going too. it's not going away. You're seeing creators merge with enterprise and you're seeing enterprise leverage more and more creators like they're all becoming, you know, one in the same. And so I just wanted to participate in that. Nice. And what have the effects been like? I'm sure it's, you know, outstanding. You have a huge, you have a huge following, right? And it's also very diverse too across platforms. Yeah. It's been, it's been dramatic, like straight up, you know, like the, the, a lot of it too has been the indirect, like it's not directly from this. It's like, Oh, you know, that's how I met Jimmy and that's how I met so-and-so. And, and it's just the, it, it connects you with a lot of people. So I think it's one of the best things in the world. It's quite the opportunity. Nice. What about, Going back, do you think that your younger self 
would be surprised at where you are now? Or do you feel like you always knew from a young age, like I'm going to, I'm going to be in a very good spot where I'm very happy, very successful at a young age. That's a good question. I don't think I'd be surprised. Hmm. I don't want that to sound like, no, like I, I mean, a majority of people will hear that and be like, Oh yeah, sure, bro. But you know, the reality is like anyone else who's really working on themselves, they'll, they'll hear that and they'll be like, fuck yeah. I mean, the truth too is like, I just, I don't feel like I've done that much. Like, I know that, like that, and that might sound wild too, if it's like a way younger audience, but you know, I mean like, like my business partner sold for, for 600 mil, like, you know, he got a plane, like, I mean, there's just a lot of levels to it. And so I'm at a point where I don't try to attach from that in one way or another, but at the same time, I don't sit here like, oh my God, I've done so much. Right. Like if you, I think if you feel like that, you're, you just go die, I guess. (laughs) But I guess I'm asking like, you know, looking like when you were, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. And, and you originally said at the beginning of this episode, you said, uh, I never wanted to work for somebody else. Where did that motivation come from? I, I really, I've, I've wondered that myself. I don't know. Hey, that's a good answer to yeah, be honest. Yeah, I really don't know. Yeah, yeah, you just always had it? I just felt like that, yeah. Do you think people are born with it? Because I, you know, in my experience, all of the guys I've interviewed, all of my friends who are young and successful, they all say the same thing. It wasn't like one day, let me get my life right. It's like, no, I... I just felt like that. There might be some, I think there might be some nurture dynamic versus nature. Like my, uh, you know, do you have any trauma or anything that led to like needing to prove yourself or? I don't think so. I mean, like, I don't know. Like I couldn't, you know, girls in high school, maybe that kind of, kind of messed me up a little bit. But, um, generally speaking, I don't think so. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I feel like we're going to go full like therapy session real quick. Well, I think that's good. I think it's Uh, important for people to hear because, You know, I, I, I'm happy to talk about it. I, I heard this great quote. I think it might have been from A.B. Peterson, um, some, some psychologist, I believe. He said, the perfect, the perfect breeding ground, essentially, for a, a really high achiever, someone really ambitious, is someone who, in their early days, and they were very young, had two types of people in their life. doesn't matter who it was, but they had two types of people, two, two different figures in their life, two individual figures. One of them was someone who gave them unconditional love, right? Someone who like, you could fuck up no matter what you could, you could have incredibly devastating mistakes. You could make these mistakes and this person would love you unconditionally. No matter what you did, they would always be there for you. They would always support you. They would always show love. And then there was also a person who was the exact opposite. Someone you didn't feel like you got the love you deserved from. The first person typically is a mom or maybe a father, someone who's just always been there for you. That was my and mom, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Same, same with me. My mom, you know, unbelievable. Um, and then the second person, it could be another family member. It could be like an ex-girlfriend or something. Was there, was there any, like, did your motivation to always strive to be, a, you know, a better, not just like be successful as an entrepreneur, but, you know, a better person individually. Um, is there any, any source of, Needing to prove somebody wrong. I yeah, I feel like I've I feel like I've had to prove people wrong my whole life. I can't think of anyone specific per yeah. se, but you know, from like the basketball days to, like I said, I mean, like high school. I remember there were like two or three girls I really liked, and just no time of day whatsoever. Yeah, I think early on, whatever you need to find that motivation is totally acceptable, right? For me, it was like an ex, um, another family member as well. Um, and I think that's great to kind of get you going, right? Get the sled moving yeah. for that momentum. But ultimately, yeah, the, the highest form of peace 
is when you're doing it for yourself because you're like, I deserve this, right? Not, I'm not doing this to prove anybody wrong. I'm doing this because I know I can do it, you know? And, and that, what do you that's, think about that? Yeah, I, I, I'm more, I don't have the memories. Uh, they're just not there of those being extremely painful. Like I think at the time maybe they were, but they don't seem like, they don't seem like big moments to me. Mm. But what, do, what, what I do remember is being like, I just remember feeling at most at peace and most at content it was like my sophomore year of high school when like all I did that summer was try to be as athletic as I could so I could make the team last, next year. Like I remember buying jump boxes and I would run hills and I would just do that all day. And I remember that was where I felt most at peace. Like I'm, I, I don't know, I just feel like I'm going for it. And I was very happy at that time. Hmm. And then the next year I didn't make it. And it was devastating. And then I did the same thing the next summer. And that's more or less been the story of my life until I ultimately like broke through, you know? Yeah. But you're putting the power in your hands this time. Yeah. I think, well, that's interesting you say that because it was the same thing for me with high school football, right? Hardest worker. I, I was not athletically gifted, um, but, you know, I never got my shot to show it. And I, I made the decision right there. Kind of like what you said. I said, I'm not going to ever, like, put my future in another person's hands, right? Yeah. Another man's hands. I'm going to be the, the captain of my ship, right? So I think a, an experience like that could be really powerful early on. Yeah, or at least leave it all out there, right? Yeah. Like you're going to know you, at least you did everything you could. Yeah. Like you're not going to wake up one day and say, yeah, I wish I did a little more. What would your advice to typically someone younger be who feels like they're ambitious, they're motivated, they, they want to be an entrepreneur? They, maybe they look at a guy like you and they're like, this is you know, who I want to be like, but they have no idea where to start. What advice do you have for that? How, where do you start? I, I really think everything comes from experience and so i'm not like i wouldn't even say you know go buy this course or that like literally go open an llc and try to do some income making activity and you're, you're going to learn more in attempting to do that than you will anything else like i really think experience is the greatest teacher yeah i think so many people that's the thing though so many people think that the first thing they do is supposed to be the one they hear about your experience selling your company like yeah if you know, they think that that first business needs to be the one that makes them a billionaire or whatever. But in reality, it's probably going to take a lot of tries, and that's totally okay. Because as long as you're and there's, on there's just that so path. much to know. Like there's so much to know. Like I used to think when I was building Genius that I was building a hundred million dollar business. Yeah. And in hindsight, I didn't know what it took to build a hundred million dollar business. Even if I like, I thought the idea was cool. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know the the layers of management you need in place. I didn't like. I didn't know any of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so doing it the first time enabled me like a level of knowledge that, you know, this next, this next go around, I, I do know what it takes to build a hundred million dollar company. A lot still has to go right. But again, that all came from experience and being in the field and you know, that's where you're knocking on doors that actually can like show you that way. Yeah. And so that, that's why I was, I was just getting the game in some capacity. Nice. I agree 100%. I have another question. I think the people around you, um, make up that environment we talked about earlier. And I think it's extremely important to put yourself in the best environment, obviously. But a lot of people think that just means physical location. They don't think about the, the people in their life. Um, and then a lot of times, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're trying to be a, a DJ or an athlete or an actor, 100%, there's going to be a shit ton of people in your life that are not going to want you to succeed at that. And maybe it's just because their ego is hurt. Maybe it's because they don't believe in you, whatever. Do you have any advice on how to go about navigating relationships? How, how, do, you, how do you decide to keep somebody around but keep them you know, at an arm's length distance so that they can't bring you down? I just don't think there's – this sounds fucked up. I just don't think there's any place for most people yeah. in your life. Uh, it's actually like incredibly hard to find people that – 
wants to see you do like exceptionally well. Not not just like not just like win, but like really win. Yeah. Like some people will be like, oh, he's doing pretty well, and they'll be like modestly happy. But very very few people want to see you like become him or absolutely fucking crush it. Like most people just don't want that. But I don't know if it's their own ego or whatever. And so with that in mind, like you just got to be okay, kind of. You know, you don't need to burn bridges, but like you're doing your thing and you're you're moving that direction, right? And there's not a lot of time for anything else when you're doing that. I fully agree. I fully agree. I think everybody needs to get that drilled into their head. In terms of the people you've seen in your life, have you had to cut a lot of people off? Oh, bro. Are you are you still? Fr- that's a good question. Are you still friends with a lot of the people you grew up with, or no. not really? Uh huh. Yeah. I got from my high school. I got one friend who um, you know worked with me at Genius, and he's still there, and we're still friends. But you know, we're not, the, we're not the same level of friends. And then that's literally the only one. Yeah. I think it's hard. You can't bring everyone with you. And I think a lot of people... You can't people, bring anyone with it's you. It's dead weight. Yeah, you Honestly. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, I want to be with my day ones or whatever. But, you know, the truth is, like, they probably weren't ever your friend to begin with. You guys were kind of just landlocked by yeah. your physical location, being in the same classroom, whatever. And you really weren't that similar. But they you weren't see those people, right? Like you see those friends that didn't leave, that are still all friends, that still aren't doing shit. They're oh, still everyone. in the same group. Yeah. Most people in your hometown, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's mine. It's like literally, I'm, I'm 31 now, and it's the, same, yeah. it's the same suspects. And like, you know, it's all love with me. Like it's not, not anything bad, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if you're a young guy that wants to go for it and like, you know, do something with it, then that's not, you, you literally can't carry that. Yeah. It'll hold you back. It will. All right, I have one question that I ask every single person I have on my podcast, usually at the end. I, I stole this from uh, that entrepreneur group I was talking about. What's one thing you hold to be true that you think everybody else would certainly disagree with? And you can take your time, too. One thing I hold true... I, mean, I don't even know if there's truth. <laughs> like, maybe that statement. Yeah. What's itself. what's something that's true to you that you believe in that a lot of other some maybe something like that you think. Uh, no, no, that literally, that I don't think there's truth. Uh, Can you expand? Yeah. Like, if you look at it from like a scientific perspective, like you can hold things to be true until they're not. Like that. That's how that's how science works. It, it just it needs to be falsifiable by nature. And so, with that in mind, like I don't think there's any definitive truth and i think a lot of people think there's definitive truth mm. I think there's a lot of like gray around the world what's good what's not and then as you move through time like yeah oh so you're okay so your answer is actually like you're really breaking down the question itself yeah, yeah. nice i like that i don't know if that's the right good answer or not that's no I, I appreciate went. that <laughs> i think um i yeah i think everyone in their own life they're they're born with a, a set of values or a perspective and they never change and they're not willing to accept anybody else's ideology um, whether it be on relationships or business or drive, ambition, whatever, friendships. So I think that's important. Um, and I think you can't try and change other people as well. Like, uh, you know, so many people will spend all of their time and energy trying to convince somebody else of something, but you kind of just have to do your own thing. And I think that's the best way to stay focused. Most people don't change. That's correct. Yeah. How do you, okay, this is another question that I like to ask a lot of people. I think when you're someone that is always really hard on yourself because you want yourself, you want to see yourself become, yeah, the man, him, right? How do you balance compassion and motivation for those around you? Let's say it's uh, a friend or a cousin, or maybe it's your kid in 10 years. Like, you know, you want to see, you want to see someone succeed just as bad as you want yourself to succeed. What's the best way to go about, you know, getting a friend on the right track? 
honestly, I think you have to align incentives because if you look at it from, I, like, honestly, one of my bigger things, like I, I check pretty high on like the empathy stuff. I do, and the most successful people are not very empathetic. Not like at they're all. Oft, often calculated near near psychopathic levels. Not always like full psychopathic, but very very low on the empathy scale. Mm. And so I think the the answer to that is you just I mean you have to align incentives. Otherwise, it comes down to like you. It's often cold answers. And and does that make sense? Yeah. Like, like you you have to make sure that person is incentivized to be rowing in the same direction as you. Hmm. Otherwise, it comes down to like sacrifice, and you're probably not going to be the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you might not like like the guys that are building the billion dollar companies have ripped so many hearts out that aren't talked about. Yeah, like Bill Gates used to buy out companies and sue companies, and and none of that's really talked about. But that is the nature. Like Amazon's like that. You know, lawsuits, this, that, like lever- like aggressive buyouts. You know, shutting down competitors. Diaper.com. Oh fuck you. You know, we'll buy you. We'll shut you down. Like yeah. that's that's generally the game if you want to go like. All the way to the top. And do you think that's uh, do you think that's needed, necessary? I think so. Yeah. Higher achievers. I'd think, love to say you, it's not. You think? Yeah, I mean that's a fair answer. You think there needs to be a level of ruthlessness in I, I business, and so. in, in order to succeed yourself, mm-hmm. as if it was like conquering in the old days. Like mm-hmm. you can't build your kingdom without knocking out a few neighbors, type thing. If you're talking billions, yeah, yeah. Like, and I look at the, the closest guy that I'm very close to, you know, from a. Like closest to billions is my my one business partner that sold for a couple you know hundreds, and he, I mean he really is he's calculated and it's not it's not even in a malicious or evil way, he's just like oh you know no that person is not doing a good job they need to like we will fire them tomorrow yeah whereas me like I might employ someone for three months because I feel bad yeah. you know and I just I noticed that inherent difference in in demeanor and so I can only imagine if you're with a Bezos like there's zero room for chit chat or nice, you know, nice guy stuff. Yeah. And so I do think when you're getting to billions and that level, I think the, it's a whole different uh, emotional profile. Absolutely. I think it's absolutely necessary. But what about for those really close to you? Like, let me ask you, like, you know, you're uh, a young father mm-hmm. when your kid grows up, I'm sure same with me. Like all you want is your kid to succeed, right? You would, you would love to inspire your kid in a way for them to want to go out and do big things right but what if they just don't want to how do you how do you how do you change someone like that or do you just let them do you just so, say hey so, so be let, happy? Me, let me zoom out on that whole question too because it's like most of those same profiles like you know bezos divorced yeah like the, i mean they have Elon like, musk yeah yeah like seven steve jobs kids. yeah terrible fathers yeah horrible yeah and so again it ties back to like the life maxing of what you want and so i think there's like a how can you accumulate level of wealth and power that maybe still lets you be the other things you want to be if those things are important to you. Mm-hmm. So like Steve Jobs, I'm sure that shit was never important to him. He didn't, he didn't want the child, right? Yeah. And so like, I mean, he was open about that and he owned it and that was his truth and that was his life. So I think everyone's different on that, that piece of it. But I guess my whole thing is just like, if you're getting to that level, it requires a, a level of you know, ruthlessness and uh, lack of compassion. Hmm. And I didn't answer the question either. I went on a whole different thing. If you want a child to do something, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. What? How are you gonna? How are you balancing? Um, you know, yourself as a parent. I'm because this is a question. You know, I haven't even met the one yet, but I'm, I'm actually genuinely curious about that. And I'm, I'm not so much worried, but I'm very eager to become a father. I think that is like the most true form of happiness at the end of the day like it is the only thing that really matters and i'm curious um you know how you're going about being a father but also trying to chase your dreams too i even had a a dad that kind of ran off and started the company for a little bit instead of being a parent and 
Uh, I mean, my answer probably isn't like a, like cool and popular culture, but uh, I think it's like, and you look through history, it's largely been the woman's job to raise the yeah. like raise the house. Like, period. even my wife, she says she feels more comfortable with like, you know, the tun- like the nanny and the he- like with women, mm-hmm. like raising a, a village, so to speak. I think guys' job is to inherently have enough resources to make sure everyone's good and solid and sound. And that takes work. And that takes like things that aren't directly raising the, the kids, mm. which is a, a weird answer. Like, but you know, uh, babies come out and they're dependent on mothers. Like they're dependent on them for food. They breastfeed. They're, they're, they cry for their mom for several years. And I think what you can do as a, as a guy is, you know, that's, it's how you act. Mm. Like that's the first male model they see in their life. And that's their expectation for men. So how do you treat your wife? How do you care yourself? Are things taken care of? Mm. Like all the things that would be the masculine archetype, I think by maximizing those, you're doing the most good for your, for your family. Mm. That makes yeah, sense. And it's funny. Absolutely. And it's funny because a lot of people don't like that answer. No, they Especially hate it Especially Americans. There's a lot yeah, yeah. Of solid portion, of, maybe even more than half of Americans these days, like, would like they're disgusted by that answer. Like you're supposed to split the diapers and you're supposed to do this. Yeah, but and that. like who who says so, right? I don't know. I still haven't even figured out how I want to be a parent yet. Um, but that's but what I'm I, saying. I'm I, comfortable with my life, yeah. right? Like all the people who ridicule that, like you probably don't like your own life. Yeah. So why? So you know, like my wife likes her life. I yeah. like my wife. Like we're, we have a, a great thing. Yeah. We get to live in on an island and we can go take a family vacation in a fucking jet and yeah. like. So, so I don't, it's important to not listen to all those answers. Absolutely. And that's hard. That's really hard. I think that might be one of the biggest problems that young people are dealing with these days is so many people on social media are trying to tell you how to live your life. And, you, you know, you haven't done shit. It's wild. Yeah. It's true. And they might not even be happy. Like, I think most people that are telling you how to live your life are, are not, not happy. happy. I totally agree. Yeah. And so how do you... I don't know. It's tough. It's a, it's a challenge, like trying to figure out how to navigate that world. And it's, it's interesting because it's only going to get worse. It's becoming more polarized. Like, you know, I, I think I'm a very balanced person. Right. And I have a very balanced perspective on life. But a lot of people like hate. I mean, I mean I a lot of people a very... love what I say. A lot of people hate what I say, too. But that's good. I mean, that's how you build an audience. Right. And, and but, but I think there's a like you have some truth that's meaningful in yeah. some capacity. And I think like the simple answer at the end of the day is if someone doesn't have what you want, then why would you listen to them? If they haven't done what you want to do, why would you listen to them? Like, period. If you're like, if you want a stable home life with, you know, three kids and then go listen to the person that's done that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and don't listen to any of the other noises or voices or whatever. Cause it's often like internet weirdos that philosophize on some shit and have never done it in the real world. Yeah. But there's a lot of them. There's a, a lot of people out there that all they will do is sit on Twitter or Instagram or threads and they'll just talk shit about others, about how this person's a bigot, about this, like, and, and that's why time. that mute button is, you know, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's a great invention. It's, yeah. I don't mute them. I like to listen to it sometimes. I think it's funny. I think it's entertaining. When your kids get older, are they, uh, are they going to be allowed to be on social media? What, yeah. what, what sort of uh, shielding or protection are you going to provide versus like, are you going to say like, yo, do whatever the fuck you want, figure it out on your own? Like, I mean, if somebody, if some, I think what you can do as a parent is try to give the, the guardrails and like a, a baseline level of understanding. Mm-hmm. Like I like to tell my daughter now, like that's an ad. Like if you're, you know, th- this is an ad, this is designed to, so how would you make an ad? I'd rather, cause it's such a prevalent part of life. Like the, it, it's unrealistic to say you can't use this or don't use that, you know, like the, they'd grow up without, they'd grow up different and, and not a good way. 
Um, and so I think you need to give them the guardrails and the understanding of the technology and then try to let them figure it out without too much forcible uh, micromanagement because they'll rebel. I mean, like, I don't know how you were as a kid, but if someone told me I'm not going to do something, it was like, you know, I wanted to do it more. Like that, that I think a lot of kids are like that. And so if I tell my kids, like, like hey, you can't be on this, then, you know, when they go to their friend's house or like eventually they're, they're going to want to do it that much yeah. more. And so I think giving them the guardrails and the best perspective I can is what is what I'll do. And then Jesus take the wheel from there. You know, it's a scary world. <laughs> I'll just tell you. Hell yeah. Well, I appreciate that answer. And I think um, I think you're right about that. So to kind of finish it off, though, you know, once again, you've uh, you've done a lot. You're you, you're seem very happy, very content. Right. But what is uh, what's like the ultimate form of success to you? What's, what's something that you need, like a couple things you need to accomplish before your time ends that you would be severely upset if you, if you didn't, disappointed if you I didn't. think it's almost on like a day-by-day basis. You're like, if it ended right now, have I done what I, am I happy with what, like yeah. how I've lived thus far? Have you made the most of it? Yeah. Yeah. Have you made the most of it? Because we don't know when it's going to end. Yeah. You know? Um, and so I think you have to look at it through that lens. And then if you're trying to like goal set or whatever, if we're sitting here, it's like, okay, let's assume we get to 90 or 100, and it's like, on our deathbed, what were the things we really wanted to do and what mattered? And that's why, you know, I told you, like, oh, yeah, I'd love to do the St. Bart's thing or that, or, you know what I mean? Like, I have my things I'd like to do, and I'm going to keep building towards those. But again, with a level of detachment from the actual result, because if it does get cut short or, or fate whisks you some other direction, like, you can't let that make you unhappy and ruin the current experience we do have, because, what's your arm say? It's a, it is a privilege to be alive. It is, you know? Yeah, I think, uh, I like that. I think you need to live every day. I mean, I try, I try and live every day, assuming like if I, you know, if I found out that I had 24 hours left, I'd be like, you know what? That sucks. But I I did all I could. I tried to the most. Um, and I think everyone can do that. You don't need to be an entrepreneur or, you know, a social media star or whatever. You don't need to have a ton of money. Maybe your hobby is like trains or something, you know? Um, but I think you just have to, you, you really just need to live. You need to live every single day um, as if it were your last, but you know, you can't let that also distract you from like the bigger picture as well. Totally. That's a hard balance. Well, hell yeah, man, dude. I think, uh, I think that's a great way to end it unless you got anything else to kind of throw in there. No, any man. other, do you have any, one last piece of general advice to the audience? Anyone, most of my audience is young. They're guys, they're ambitious, they're trying to get after it. I kind of asked this question already, but what's, what's one other thing that maybe you talk about on your socials or something that's not spoken nearly enough that uh, is like an absolute necessary? I would say, seriously, like stay tapped in with you because on that note, like use social as a tool, meaning unfollow all the trash or anything that triggers any sort of response that's not making you better. Yeah. Now, I really believe that. So I think like for a lot of people, they should straight up delete social. They're getting nothing out of it. It's a, it's a cheap dopamine thing. But the ones that are on there, like, you know, this kind of stuff you're putting out is phenomenal. The kind of stuff, you know, there's, there's people out there that are doing good things in social and people need to program themselves to absorb that and build towards that rather than ruining their lives with a cheap dopamine addiction. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'd leave them with. Hell yeah. Follow Squid Pactor. Follow Rob Oliver, too, at The Genius CEO. Well, dude, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you having me to your house. Dude, this setup was awesome. Um, Inspired. 
I love I love this stuff. I love meeting cool people once again. Like the the, the whole reason I do this is just to meet awesome people. But thank you for coming on. I appreciate yeah, it. Thank you for coming on, man. Seriously, we'll do it again eventually. Oh, appreciate yeah. it. Subscribe, leave a like, comment. Um, if you want to see the next one, obviously make sure you put it in your notifications. But thanks so much for watching. Um, and if you have any questions for Rob, I'm gonna leave all his socials in the description. You can go hit up his pages, give him a follow. Uh, but thank you for watching. We'll catch you in the next one. Thanks, guys.